0: Recruiting superheroes. So where are you holding the tryouts, huh? We don't know. We don't know yet, but um as soon as we figure that out, we'll get in touch with you immediately. I I'm bet we'd get a big turn on if we did it somewhere with a swimming pool. Hmm. Mmm. Oh no. No, oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Nope. Your name and power. I am the Waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head, or I burn them like so. Ah. Don't do that. I also have uh, my truth syrup, which uh, is low fat. And I've been working on a theme song, kind of a Waffle Man. I am the Waffler, golden crispy. Bad guys are history. Yeah i you know, just think about it. Do you have a, a health plan, by the way? Maybe dental, eye? Next. Hi, hey, uh, I am Pencilhead. And I am son of Pencilhead. We erase uh, crime. Two generations of... <clears throat> right. Yes, thank you. I do, right? Yeah, I think I like this. I yeah. say? I'm the ballerina man. Oh, man. I don't need to say that. Me. You copied me. I did not, liar. Now, now, ladies, ladies, now let's stay play nicely. Ball, fire, fire the ball. Greetings from crime fighters. I am screechy man Do you sense it? Power? Yes. PMS Avenger. I only work four days a month. Is there a problem with that? No, 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 whatever you say. We'll, we'll get back to you. you know so that. Whatever. No okay, that's it. No, 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 no more heroes anymore. No more heroes anymore. No more heroes anymore. No more heroes anymore. Well, that was a complete waste of time. Like so many things we do. We're in the thick of our new series, Heroes. And uh, we have been exploring what all of us could be. How God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I want to drill down a little bit this morning into that word ordinary. You know, that kind of communicates to us. Ordinary is ho-hum or drab or bland or plain vanilla, you know, just kind of boring. And if we're honest, at, at our core, we long to be the opposite, the exact opposite of ordinary We want to be impressive and exciting and all that stuff. There was a kid named Hugh Gallagher when he was graduating from high school and applying to NYU. He was filling out the uh, application form, and there's a a question on there that asked for him to write in an essay form uh, some significant experiences or accomplishments that have helped define you as a person. So Hugh Gallagher wrote this essay in response. I am a dynamic figure, often seen scaling walls and crushing ice. I've been known to remodel train stations on my lunch breaks, making them more efficient in the area of heat retention. I translate ethnic slurs for Cuban refugees. I write award-winning operas. I manage time efficiently. Occasionally, I tread water for three days in a row. I woo women with my sensuous and godlike trombone playing. I can pilot bicycles up severe inclines with unflagging speed, and I cook 30-minute brownies in 20 minutes. I'm an expert in stucco, a veteran in love, and an outlaw in Peru. Using only a hoe and a large glass of water, I once single-handedly defended a small village in the Amazon basin from a horde of ferocious army ants. I play bluegrass cello. I was scouted by the Mets. I'm the subject of numerous documentaries. When I'm bored, I build large suspension bridges in my yard. I enjoy urban hang gliding, and on Wednesdays after school, I repair electrical appliances free of charge. I'm an abstract artist, a concrete analyst, and a ruthless bookie. Critics worldwide swoon over my original line of corduroy evening wear. I don't perspire. I'm a private citizen, yet I receive fan mail. I've been caller number nine and have won the weekend passes. And I bat 400. My deft floral arrangements have earned me fame in international botany circles. And children trust me. I can hurl tennis rackets at small moving objects with deadly accuracy. I once read Paradise Lost, Moby Dick, and David Copperfield in one day, and still had time to refurbish an entire dining room that evening. I know the exact location of every food item in the supermarket, and i performed several covert operations with the CIA. I only sleep once a week, and when I do sleep, I sleep in a chair. And while on vacation in Canada, I successfully negotiated with a group of terrorists who had seized a small bakery. I balance, I weave, I dodge, I frolic, and all my bills are paid. On weekends, just to let off steam, I participate in full contact origami. Years ago, I discovered the meaning of life but forgot to write it down. I breed prize-winning clams, I've won bullfights in San Juan, cliff-diving competitions in Sri Lanka, and spelling bees at the Kremlin. I have played Hamlet, I have performed open-heart surgery, and I have spoken with Elvis. But I have not yet gone to college. By the way, Hugh Gallagher was admitted to NYU, Maybe you've never written an essay like this, but I'll bet big money that you feel the pull to be more than you are. You know, I mean, haven't you ever wanted to be, uh, you know, the the one who could single-handedly bring about law and order in the face of those who break the law and hurt other people? I mean, haven't you ever wanted to be that person? Maybe be the person that was better than everyone else in the room, the person that could could solve the problems that, that was stumping everyone else. Maybe you wanted to be a defender of the galaxy, you know, I don't know, maybe you know, go boldly where no man's gone before, or be a part of a team that is somehow uniquely qualified to tackle monster problems and emerge victorious. Maybe you wanted to be faster, or maybe you wanted to be stronger, or smarter, better looking. You know, maybe you wanted some special abilities, yeah, I don't know, faster than a speeding bullet, uh stronger than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Maybe you've just one time wanted to be brave enough to to face down unspeakable evil with no fear because, well, because you're the greatest superhero ever. Um, I don't know. Maybe secretly you can relate to some of these... These weirdos that showed up for the superhero tryouts, you know, in the video clip that we watched. Uh, You know, given a chance, you know, and some high-tech gadgets and uh, a couple of special powers, maybe a little liposuction in critical spots, we'd slip on a mask and spandex and jump into the battle between good and evil, right? Well, well, maybe that's just me. Um, I think greatness is an elusive thing. Our culture is obsessed with greatness. And many people spend their lives trying to achieve greatness, and we know in our hearts that that whole mask and cape thing doesn't really work in real life, even though our perspective on heroes is still a little warped. You see, what we do is we get celebrities and heroes mixed up. You know, we think that just because someone can memorize a few paragraphs of dialogue and, and cry on cue, that somehow they're a hero. Or you know, we'll ooh and ah over some knucklehead that's managed to learn three chords on a guitar and wears eyeliner that matches his tattoos. Or we'll get hysterical over some bimbo whose assets are clearly not her singing voice. But you know, um, she does. She is easy on the eye, and she does drive a Prius to save the rainforest. We believe that just because someone can drive around real fast in a circle, or can jump a motorcycle, or do gravity-defying tricks on a skateboard, or dunk a basketball, or score a touchdown, that somehow there's something inherently heroic about them, and and, and people that do this stuff are worthy of our obsession and our worship, and that they should somehow be the ones that we pattern our lives after, and that. They're really the ones impacting the world. You know, so who am I? See, you and I, we don't want to be ordinary. And we secretly fantasize about joining the ranks of the special and the ones that save the day. And we daydream about someone pulling us aside and saying, man, I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for you. I don't know what I would have done. You saved my life. Well, I have good news for you this morning. And that is that ordinary is not a dirty word. In fact, Jesus would say that it's really the ordinary people that are the real heroes in the world. He would say that they are the ones that are really in a position to change people's lives and to make a difference and do amazing things. So this morning, what I want to look at just very quickly here is a lady in Scripture, a very heroic lady in Scripture. Her name is Tabitha. Her Greek friends called her Dorcas. And her story is found in Acts chapter 9. That's where we'll pick up this morning. In Acts 9, verse 36, it says, There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. And about this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby in Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. I don't know if you caught the heroic stuff here. You may have blown right past it just to get to the whole broader back-to-life part. Here's the thing. Tabitha was so heroic that an entire community was very sad in her death. They were all mourning her passing. What heroic stuff exactly did she do? Well, um, what I picked up on here by looking at these these few verses is that Tabitha invested her life in helping the overlooked. See, she took it upon herself to champion the widows in her community. See, if no one else looked out for these widows, they would be reduced to begging to exist, hoping for handouts from other people, unless someone took it upon themselves to take care of them. Tabitha also made sure that she met needs with available resources. Obviously, she had a talent for sewing. And so she made sure that these widows had clothing when it was cold. She made sure that they had warm coats to wear. You know, I I read those verses. maybe Maybe you do too and go, well, so what? She could sew. Big deal. What's heroic about that? Well, Jesus would look at that same scenario and say, no, no, no. I think stuff like this is a pretty big deal. See, in John chapter 14, Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me Will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I gotta warn you, Jesus is about to turn your definition of hero on its ear. Uh, He's gonna totally change your concept of how you see a hero. He says two very scary things here. One thing is, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And then he immediately follows that with something I find even more frightening. He says, he will do even greater things than these. I don't know about you, but this stresses me out a little bit because Jesus is a very tough act to follow. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, do the same things. Is he serious? Turn water into wine. Uh, Walk on water. You know, feed over 5,000 people with two sardines and five dinner rolls. You know, heal people who are literally dying on their feet from leprosy. And then he says, we'll do even greater things. I'm thinking, "Are, are you serious? Greater than calming a storm? I mean greater than kicking out demons, greater than bringing dead people back to life? I mean, we're only human, right? None of us have any superpowers, do we? What you got to understand when you look at what Jesus says here is that he's implying here that the miracles were not the point. The miracles are not the point. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll notice that most of the time it seems that Jesus was reluctant to do these miracles. He was he didn't even want to sometimes and 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 When he did something amazing, often Jesus would turn to those around him and say, Hey, listen, would you guys mind not telling anyone about this? Please don't say anything to anyone else. My, one of my favorite stories is in John chapter 2. There's a wedding feast that Jesus' mom was invited to. And, and, of course, Jesus was invited. He was a member of the family. And I don't know who invited all the other people that came with him. But they were, there was a big crowd there for this wedding. And right in the middle of this big party, Mary's kind of circling the room and interacting with people. And she notices the bride and groom and their, and their moms and dads kind of huddled up over in the corner whispering. And they look a little anxious and upset. And she kind of listens and picks up on the conversation that they've run out of wine. And this is a big social faux pas in those days. And they're all about to be humiliated in front of their extended family and the community. And, and, and it's not looking good. And Mary thinks, I'll go get Jesus. Jesus can help. So she walks over and Jesus has got a crowd of guys around him. And he, he's right in the middle of telling a great joke. And he's about to get to the punchline. And she taps him on the shoulder. And says, says, yeah, yes, mom. Uh, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, guys, this Pharisee walks. Jesus, <clears throat> they have... No more wine. You know, and scripture says Jesus looks at her and says, Ah, oh, dear woman, why, why have you involved me yet? My time has not yet come. I think the gospel writers were being generous. I think Jesus probably turned her and said, Ma, come on. You know, get to the good part right here. Just, just a minute. But of course, you know, Jesus responds and, and, and turns water into wine. It's an amazing thing. When you look at these miracles, I want you to understand that except for one, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, these miracles had no lasting significance. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but these miracles were amazing and wonderful. But they had no; they were not a permanent solution. And think about it: Jesus fed over five thousand people, you know, fed till they were full. The next day, they were hungry again. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, an amazing thing. But guess what? Lazarus still died. Jesus healed ten lepers. It was such a big deal that only one of them bothered to come back and say thank you. And out of those 10 guys, some of them caught some other disease. One of them probably stepped in front of a chariot. You know, they all eventually died. You know, there were blind people that got their sight back, lame people that could walk, uh, you know, deaf and mute people that could communicate again with other people and and had these miraculous healings. And they still, all of them, had other problems to deal with in life. The point was not the miracles. The heart behind the miracles, that was the point. See, Jesus didn't really do these things to impress anyone. If that was the case, he would say, hey, everybody gather around. i about to do something amazing. He never did that. He did these amazing things out of compassion for people that were in need. And Jesus was looking at his mom thinking, oh, man, the, this, the timing is all wrong for this. I wasn't ready to really kind of kick off my public ministry yet. But he looks over her shoulder, and he sees a bride and a groom on what's supposed to be the, the happiest day of their lives. And, and they're very upset and very sad and very scared. And Jesus' heart goes out to them. And so he responds. He turns water into wine. He sees those 10 guys that are in the throes of leprosy, and they've, they've been ostracized from the community. They, have, they, have, they can't see their family. They're alone. Nobody likes them. They chase them out of town, and they're literally watching their bodies rot away in front of them, and Jesus' heart goes out to them, and he heals them. You know, he sees those people that are gathered around. They've been sitting all day in the hot sun, listening and hanging on to every word about the kingdom of God and Jesus knows they've they've gone past the point when they should have eaten they're weak from the heat and they're thirsty and he he's moved to help Jesus is strangely touched by the tears and the weeping of his friends Mary and Martha and so he brings Lazarus their brother back to life you know that's the point the heart behind them responding to people in need You know, it's really not a matter of tights and a cape and all that. You know, Jesus defines a hero completely different than our culture does. It doesn't involve being bitten by a radioactive spider or being exposed to cosmic rays or a mask or cape or athletic skills or perfect teeth or six-pack abs, thank goodness. Um, Jesus is giving each of us the opportunity to do greater things than he did himself. We're not destined to perform greater miracles, but he's called us to perform greater acts of service. Well, if that's what we're called to do, then why do we avoid serving? I mean, we avoid it like the plague. Well, I think there there are some real simple explanations why we avoid serving. I think the the first obvious one is fear. We're afraid of the unknown. We're not sure that we really have the talents or the resources that can meet the problem. We're afraid of getting taken advantage of. Sometimes I think another reason we avoid serving is because, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're just lazy. We're putting a lot more time and effort and money and energy into making our life more comfortable than in helping someone else. And we're thinking, man, you know, I've put in 50 hours this week. The last thing I want to do is go spend my Saturday helping them move. I've worked hard at school all day. I've, I've had exams. My brain is like slowly leaking out my ear because I've had finals all week. I, I don't want to do anything but just kind of sit in front of the computer. What, what, what do you mean we got to paint? What do you mean I, I, I don't have time for that right now? I don't want to do that right now. Sometimes we just avoid serving because we're too busy. We're working 60, 70 hours a week, and our family's going umpteen different directions. Our kids are in sports and in band and and all kinds of cheerleading, all kinds of stuff. And even we get loaded up with church stuff, and we think, I don't have time to do one more thing for anyone else. I'm too busy. Sometimes we avoid serving because, well, because of the pain. We know deep in our heart that if I help them, this is going to cost me. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me sleep. It's going to cost me time. I'm going to get taken advantage of here. Sometimes we avoid serving because of ego. You know, we really don't want to be the sidekick. We want to be the person in the spotlight, to have the role that everyone looks at us, and and we want our name in lights, or at least mentioned in the program, or we want to be recognized, called up on a stage somewhere, given a medal, or have a statue made for us. You know, somehow, somewhere, we want people to know that, hey, I was the one that did that. And if I can't be assured that someone is going to recognize me, then, you know, I'm not really all that interested in helping. See, heroes do what Jesus did they respond to the hurts and the needs of people. Heroes always answer the call to serve. You know, whether it's a service project or an opportunity to go on a mission trip or, you know, provide moving help or emergency child care at a moment's notice or volunteering at your kid's school or maybe it's coaching a kid's sport team. It's not even your kid, but there's a need and you respond. Maybe it's taking your day off and spending it in a surgery waiting room praying with someone whose spouse is in there under the knife and they're not sure whether they're going to make it. Maybe it's getting up in the middle of the night when you've got to be at work in about three hours with a sick kid, just so that your wife can have a full night's rest. Maybe it's coming in after a long, long, awful day at work, and you were looking forward to just vegging out in front of American Idol, but instead you spend the entire evening helping your kid put a science project back together that was coming apart at the seams. Maybe it's taking it upon yourself because mom has just started back to work full-time And you take it upon yourself to come in from school, do a few loads of laundry, load and unload the dishwasher, and start dinner just so that when mom comes through the door, she can just crash on the couch because she is extremely tired. See, heroes' hearts go to the outcast. You know, that annoying coworker that's managed to alienate everyone in the department? Or the geek at school that doesn't practice great personal hygiene? Or, you know, (laughs) the homeless person that has, in fact, ruined their own life? with a drug or alcohol addiction, or the welfare family that has grown up in that system has never known another way of life and, and they can't quite figure out how to get out and they're just used to being dependent on people. Or the person whose choices they've made in their in their lifestyle and now they're they're reaping the consequence of that in their health and they're dying from AIDS or they've contracted T B or any other awful disease. Or there's the mentally challenged adult that doesn't really know what appropriate behavior is and can't really feed and dress himself. It requires someone to watch him all the time. Or the kid with multiple sclerosis. Or the adult with muscular dystrophy. Or any other severe handicap. Or the cancer patient who's slowly wasting away. And the hero doesn't run screaming the other way. A hero's heart goes out and embraces them and comes alongside and just does a few little things to make their quality of life a little better, a little easier. That's what a hero does. You know, I've sat through a jillion messages on service over the years, and I've given a handful of them. And unless this is your first Sunday to attend some church somewhere, my guess is you've heard uh, more than one of these messages on service too. And usually at the end of the message, you know, the speaker will, you know, will just kind of really drop this big challenge out there. Y'all just need to give your life to Jesus and serve other people. And it's the end, everybody goes home and and um nothing changes. So I'm not gonna do that today, because you know, most of us will go home and we'll have lunch, and by lunch on Monday we'll have forgotten everything that was said this morning. So instead I want to leave you with a challenge that I hope will stick with you a little bit more, that maybe seems a little more doable. Giving your life to Jesus seems a little broad and kind of overwhelming, let me, let me give you a one-hour challenge. Here it is. I challenge you to give one hour a day in service to other people in the name of Jesus. Not for glory, not for recognition, not for cash, just doing it for Christ. One hour a day. Now, I just watched everybody about the first 10 rows, their eyes roll in the back of their head and go, oh, give me a break. Darren, do you live my life? Do you know what I go through every week? Do you, I mean, do you, have, do you have any clue how unrealistic that sounds? And to all of you, bless your heart, I say, give me a break. You know, the TV gets two hours at least a night. If you're under 18, Instant Messenger, MySpace, Facebook get at least three hours a night. The gym gets at least three hours a week. Your coach can get two and a half hours every day after school in the hot sun for a week. The drama teacher can get every evening, every weekend for three months leading up to the production. The boss can get 40, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Your boyfriend or girlfriend can get unlimited hours. See, it's not a, time's not the issue. It's how you choose to spend your time. That's the issue. There are 168 hours in a week. And I'm asking you, Devote seven of them. Seven out of 168 in service to someone else in the name of Christ. So, will you be a hero? Will you be extraordinarily ordinary? Would you just be willing to respond to whatever needs are in your path? You know, and there are a lot of needs. I mean, there's some nice folks that, that give an entire school year over in Club Riot and Club 252, and we'd like to give them a little bit of a break during the summer. And so we're summer's recruiting a summer team to help. Could you give an hour on the weekends to help out and help the little ones in the nursery or over in, in the elementary service? We're always needing life group leaders and, and hosts. And I'm always on the lookout for youth workers that, that will invest their life in the life of a kid. You know, we have a two and a half mile stretch of road. I don't know if you know this. We've adopted a section of road, a Creamore Road. It's a nightmare trying to keep that clean and free of litter. And it's kind of fallen down to now one life group kind of takes a whack at that, but it's more than they can do on their own. They'd love some help. Maybe the basic needs ministry would love some help for you to come and spend an afternoon helping sort clothing or or stack food items. There's a great organization called With Love from Jesus. Maybe you know of a coworker in crisis or a family that's just had a baby or maybe as you're out for lunch today and you see a single mom struggling, trying to keep up with her brood by herself at the fast food place and you just kind of secretly buy lunch for her and her kids. Not a big deal. Maybe you're going to be mowing your lawn today. Why don't you just keep going and do your neighbors as well? Mess with them a little bit. Maybe you already know where you could spend one hour a day in service to someone else. If not, let me encourage you to stop by the info booth this morning. And we've got a little handout there called the One Hour Challenge. You can pick that up, and there's some ideas there, some contact information if some of these things interest you today. Um, and I guarantee that if you're willing to take that challenge, God will provide you some amazing adventures. You know, while serving is heroic in God's eyes, um, we're probably not going to read about it on the front page of the newspaper. All the same, uh, the staff here, we'd love to hear about your exploits so, and how, how, what God is teaching you as you serve other people. Maybe how their lives are changing because you just took an opportunity to meet a need. So just drop us an email and let us know about the adventures of the Extraordinarily Ordinary.